Today is kind of, a, if you've been with us, we've been doing this series called Lovelution, and we've been talking about a love revolution, and a revolution, you've seen them, uh, dramatic change, absolutely dramatic change in the way things work. Revolution happens like we've been seeing in the Middle East, and dramatically, overnight, stuff has been changing rapidly, and, and it's never the same. And in the same way, when, lo- when love, when God's love comes into your life, and changes you, dramatic change happens and you'll never be the same. And we're talking about those revolutions and we've been talking about turning Christmas upside down and uh, some of you do this anyways and you figure out a way, how do we not just consume at Christmas and make it all about us, but how do we actually change the world around us? How do we actually give? And, uh, and so we've provided some ways to do that and we love the fact that so many of you give generously into the, the mission and the ministry of our church and so thanks for doing that. Um, so today, we're in the middle of 1 John. We've been doing this book of 1 John, and, uh, and really, I was thinking about going to work today. We just got to jump right in. We got a ton of text, and uh, so I was actually thinking that today, I needed to dress like I was going to work, because this isn't casual. I'm serious. If this is your first time here, I promise you, you don't always get it this much. Today is a little bit of a fire hose, all right? So roll up your sleeves with me. We're going in, all right? You ready? We're going to jump in. I'm going to read uh, this right after I pray. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 16. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Matthew 16. Uh, If you don't, it'll be on the screen or you can raise your hand and somebody will bring you a Bible. God, thank you for bringing us here. And as we jump into your word, uh, it is my prayer that you would teach us. Uh, It's my prayer that you would take your word, which you're which your Bible says is living and active and it's like a two-edged sword. It just pierces right to the heart of who we are and it can bring life. And it's not, not a sword that destroys, but it's like a surgeon's scalpel that cuts out uh, the stuff that's not supposed to be there and it heals. And so God, would you, with your word, would you heal us uh, and teach us today? God, only you can do that. My words can't change us. My words can't change me. God, you can change us and you can recorrect our, uh, our vision and our belief. It's my prayer that you do that today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Matthew 16, I want you to jump in with me. And really the question of the day as we approach this is, who do you say that I am? Jesus actually asks, asks his disciples that question. They've been rolling with him for a while. And there's quite a stir about Jesus. He's doing miracles and things are happening and people are saying, this could be the one, this is the Messiah, this could be. And there's a lot of different views on who Jesus is. Maybe you come today with a lot of different views. I was talking to a woman this week, um, totally, totally seeking God, totally in that process in her life. And she said, you know, I, t- I don't mind if Jesus is God. I just, I just mind if he thinks he's the only God, right? Like, I, I don't mind if he's, he's a God. I don't mind if he's a good guy. I just, I just don't roll with the idea that he's, he's the only God, right? That everybody can be God, right? I can be God. And, and so you might have come from or might be in a place where you have a, a real different view about Jesus than, than he had. And... And that's okay, and you're here, and you're seeking, and, and I really want to encourage you, thank you for coming and, and asking that question, because Jesus asked that question, who do you think I am? Um, some of you might feel like, man, he is the cop, the, the cosmic cop that's looking to get me, right? And, 
and I got to try to, you know, show up here as much as I can. And, and, and hopefully he stays off my tail as long as I do the right stuff. Right. And, and others of you think maybe like somebody in the video, like just, it's a story that got blown out of proportion. It's a goodism that just, you know, it went wrong. Right. It was never supposed to be all that. And again, the question isn't what somebody else believes, but it's what you believe. And so here, I want you to avoid both errors of just giving an answer that you know you're supposed to give. Don't do that. That's not going to help you at all. And at the same time, um, really enter in for you, not necessarily for, for the other person and what their thought might be. And so Jesus is going to ask this. He's with his disciples, been with them for a while. They have a perspective about what the Messiah is going to be. They were Jews. The Messiah was the, the one that was told of from days of old. He would come and he would save the people of Israel. He would literally save them. And they had political views of that. They had occupational and life and economical views of that. And they had all kinds of perspectives about what the Messiah would do. And and really, the question that was rising was, is Jesus really the one? Okay, is he the Messiah that we've been looking forward to? So here's what he says. Chapter 16, Matthew, starting in verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Okay, and he's, talk- he's talking about himself, and they know that. And, and so they replied, verse 14, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Okay, all of these guys, powerful, powerful figures in Jewish history. Okay, and what they're saying is, we all know there's something special about you, Jesus, right? You're doing miracles, and everybody feels like it's good. You're a good guy, and, uh, you know, you talk about God, and so you're probably a prophet. And some people are even saying, like, on par with the best, on par with, with the best ever. And maybe you even have like the spirit of John the Baptist, or maybe you even, you're like, you're like Jeremiah reincarnate, right? You're one of the strong, like God's spirit. He sent his spirit and, and that's what people were saying. And people today, they say similar kinds of things. Like, I'm sure the guy was moral and I'm sure the guy maybe did some miracles. And obviously if the story lived this long and this many people believe it, obviously something happened, right? But here's where he goes. He says, but what about, this is verse 15, but what about you, he asked? Who do you say I am? So you and I can uh, get pretty easily caught up in the ability to, to kind of distract. Um, like, so I got introduced, uh, I don't know, maybe like six weeks ago. I, I met my first uh, Utah state trooper. Are they state troopers? Who are they called here? Whatever they are on the highway, right? So I got to have my first conversation with one of those guys here in Utah a couple, uh, six weeks ago. And, um, and so as I'm pulled over and I'm getting my ticket, and I got, I got my ticket for, I did, so you might not know this, this could save you. Um, if there's somebody over on the side of the road, like a cop on the side of the road with his lights on, um, like you are, you're not allowed to drive in that first lane, right? So you're on the highway. You're not allowed to drive in the right lane when he's sitting in his car with his lights on, right? There's nobody in front of him. He's not outside. Uh, I got all kinds of reasons why I shouldn't have gotten the ticket, but, um, (laughs) right? So you're not allowed. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're not allowed to drive in the right lane on the highway when the police officer is parked in the, do you understand what I'm talking about? 
If you don't, never mind. So here's the deal. So he's given me a ticket and there are people, dri- he's standing outside my car and there's people driving in the right lane next to me. And, and so when I'm, I'm like, uh, officer, like, did you see that car go by? And did you see, I said, are you going to give them a ticket? He's like, well, no, I can't. I'm giving you a ticket, right? And uh, he said, but if I could, I would. And uh, anyways, and so, uh, which reminds me, I need to pay that ticket. <laughs> Shoot, I haven't paid that ticket. All right. So, so anyways, so I got a $90 reminder to drive not in the right-hand lane, right? Um, so now I drive all the time by myself in the left-hand lane. Do you think that'll help me out? No, never mind. Um, here's the thing. When you and I know we're wrong, we tend to, we tend to distract by, by showing others who are doing the same fault or worse than us, Right? Like when we know we've messed up, we typically, instead of pursuing sorting ourselves out or, or trusting God to do that, we typically look at others who are, who are doing the same or other to kind of give proof like to ourselves that we're okay. When we approach this idea of, of Jesus and Jesus saying, who do you say that I am? Most of us tend to distract and we say, oh, well, man, these other people have this really messed up view of who God is, right? But I'm, I got a pretty square view of who God is, right? And the truth is, all of us tend to, to make God in our own image, okay? It's the heart of what in the Old Testament was just called idolatry. We, we make gods in our own image, okay? And we worship a God, not a God as he describes who he is, but, but a God that we kind of create to fit our world. Does that make sense? And... Um, if, if I could have had a giant one, I would have brought a giant Mr. Potato Head here, okay, um, that you could all see. But take a look at this one. And so Potato Head is kind of that way. What do you love about Potato Head? What do you love about Mr. Potato Head? His haircut. Nice, Paul. I like that. Yeah. So he can, he can not have hair or he can have hair based on, based on your choice, right? If you don't like those big ears... You take, uh, you take those off and you put a different one on. Or Mrs. Potato Head, she probably even has more accessories, right? And more clothing options and different colors. And, and you see, the, the reality is that you can make Mr. Potato Head barefoot, no foot. You can, whatever color he wants. You can have mustache up, mustache down. Um, however you want to dress Mr. Potato Head, you can kind of make him that way. And, and the reality is, is that most of us come to this question of who do you say that I am with God? And we kind of, we kind of make a Mr. Potato Head Jesus where I, I don't really like those ears, Jesus, that you say that you have. I want to give you smaller ones or maybe I want to give you bigger ones. Or like, I really like the, I really like the, the fun part of walking in freedom, you know, and having my sins forgiven God. But but the whole idea that, that you're holy and that I'm going to become more and more like you, I'm not, I'm not too into that. You know, or, or God, I, what do you mean that I might not have my idea of fun all the time at the center of my life? What do you mean, Jesus, that you might want me to serve others and, and that you're going to do something and you're going to actually... You're going to change my heart and I'm going to love that. I love serving me. Can I, can I put the I love serving me sized ears on my Mr. Potato Head Jesus? You see, we, we typically pick and choose what parts of Jesus we want. And we're not all that different from the people on the screen. 
And so as we come to this, here's what he asks his disciples. He says, who do you say that I am? And, and here's the cool thing. Um, they, they give these different answers and he says, no, you, you, who do you say I am? And Simon uh, pipes up and he says this. He says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied in verse 17, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man. This wasn't given to you by your own wisdom. You didn't figure that out on your own. In fact, John 6, I think John six forty four says that no one can come to the son unless the father draws them. And he says, this is a gift from the father to you. Okay, this is a gift from God to you that you said this. He said, you are the Christ, the Christ, literally the Messiah. You are the one. You are God incarnate, paid for the sin of all mankind that anyone who believes can be forgiven. You're the one. And so he says, it's a gift from God. It's a gift from the father that you, you know this. And I tell you here, and this is all his disciples around him. He says, I tell you here that you are Peter. Okay? If you as an adult ever have someone give you a new name, I don't care where that is, um, it's a significant moment, right? Um, that most of us, that never even happens to. And so Jesus says, I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to call you Peter, which translated means rock, right? It means like, okay, your name is now Rocky, right? And every time we say your name, we're going to remember this moment because, hear this out, this is the rock that I'm going to build my church on. I'm going to build eternity on this truth that Jesus is the Messiah, that I am the one, that I am going to forgive the sin of all mankind to anyone who believes, all right? And so he says this, he says, I tell you that you're Peter and on this rock I will build my church. The gates of Hades will not overcome it. The gates of hell will not overcome it. And, and they marked that moment. And John, who we're reading from out of 1 John, John was there at that moment and witnessed it. And he understood that that is the rock, right? On which Jesus says, this is truth. This is the issue. I'm the Messiah. Okay? Now, here's the deal. The disciples, did they totally get it and never turn back? No, they didn't. It took them a while. It was the first time they heard it. Peter even heard it as he said it. But Peter struggled to know exactly what that meant, Right? They all had a bit of working out, of understanding what does it mean that Jesus is the Messiah. So for some of you here, you have believed, like Peter, that Christ is the Messiah, that he's the Savior, that he's here to forgive your sins, that he died on the cross, and I literally have believed in him. Do you know all of what it means in your life to walk out the fact that Jesus is the Messiah? We don't know that yet. All of us are at different levels of discovery. And so, and so Peter and James and John, they all went through struggles. There was a part where they, they denied him. They, they struggled. They struggled with going back. And, and yet they came out and they remained that this is the rock. And so you have a sheet of paper. And, and here's what I want you to think. Of. Even as I'm talking, um, I want you really to consider who do you say that he is? Who do you believe that he is? All right, and we're going to have a chance to even, the, the reason that Jesus marked that moment is it, it's not because it only needed to be said once, but it was so they would remember it and say, Jesus is the Messiah. When things are hard, when doubt comes, I know that Jesus is the Messiah. And, and, and that's exactly where John picks up, okay? So we're in First John. Like I said, we're talking about love evolution. We're talking about this dramatic change that happens when God's love comes into your life. Um, when... 
when you know him, and there's a couple of words that come out in 1 John like nowhere else in the Bible. He uses this word know, which actually means to know experientially. You can know something in your head, like all of us know students who know all kinds of words and ideas about something, and they have no practical experience, right? And, uh, and so this is not the know where you know all the words, um, this is the know where you know the experience of it, right? You have tried and true, reliable, experiential knowledge of it, okay? So this word know uh, is more in First John than anywhere else. And, and here's what John says. He says, we can know that we're going to keep on knowing him. We can have confidence that we have a relationship with God that started and will continue for all eternity. And he says, I want to encourage you in that. At the end of the book, he says, I write to you who believe so that you'll know, so that you will know that you have eternal life. John isn't writing to stir up doubt, but he is writing to help you and I ask the question, do we really know him? So a couple weeks ago, here's what he said. He said, if you live in a way where you just, you fully embrace everything else that the whole world embraces. And, and what I mean by the world is, is just that whole system of living like, God, you're not real. Jesus isn't the Messiah. I'm going to find my significance here and now. It's about me and me and me now. And, and you live that way continually and you go, you go that way. And he says, you live like Jesus is not the Christ. He said, the love of God can't be in you. And we talked about that last week. You can watch it on, uh, online if you missed it. But he says, there are, three, there are three ways that we typically do that. He said, it's through the lust of our eyes and the lust of our flesh and the pride of life that we, we just, we live the same way. We speak the same language as the whole world does. And, and he brings us to this point in 1 John where he says that we have to see that God is, he's changed us, that there's been a dramatic change in us through the love that he's brought us. And it brings us to chapter two. And um, we're actually gonna skip forward to, uh, sorry, 1 John 4. Uh, for the first part here. Um, and I love this about, about God. I love it about what John is saying. Um, we're going to 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. He says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. Okay, what he means by spirit is he means the teaching, okay, a, a spiritual teaching. So he says, don't believe every spiritual teaching. And... And literally, he means the spiritual teaching and the spirit behind the teaching. Okay, for some of you here, one of the, one of the ears or the mustaches that you're not too crazy to have on your, on your Mr. Potato Head, right, is the notion that there is a spiritual realm. Okay, God over and over and over says, what we see is not everything. You and I constantly forget this. And we, we think that all of our issues have to do with what we see. And he just says, there are spiritual forces at war for you. And we'll talk about it later. But he says, there is a spiritual realm. And he says, don't believe every spirit. So don't believe the t- every spiritual teaching and the spirit behind it. He says this, but test the spirits. Some of you are here this morning and you don't yet believe in him. But what God wants you to do is he, he wants believers. And he wants you to test the spirits. He wants you to not just believe anything wholeheartedly without testing it. It's, it's his command. Test the spirits. Now, some of us feel like, oh, man, that's a lot of work. Well, yeah, it's work. You, gotta, you, have, to, you have to know what you believe. 
And he says, test the spirits. Don't just blindly believe anything. Um, some of you are here, and to be honest, you kind of blindly believe in Christ. And really, if you get pressed into a corner, maybe you do or maybe you don't. And, and I just, I think what John really wants is he wants us to know that we know him. He wants us to know that we really believe in him, right? So that we have confidence and we have freedom in walking with the knowledge that, that we know him. So here's what he says. Don't, don't believe everything. Test the spirits to see whether they're from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into this world, okay? There's many false teachings, okay? Some of you might be here and you're struggling with even that word false. In our day and age, people typically like to have the notion that if I'm genuine and I really love others and care for others and I'm not hurting anybody, if I'm genuine, then every road in that direction is going to lead towards right. There's not right and wrong. And what John says and what God says is test the spirits because there's truth and there's lies. This is how, this is how, verse 2, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in flesh is from God. Okay, if you haven't been with us the last couple weeks, um, there's a bit of that that you don't understand. Most of the heresies right in this day that he was being, uh, that, that John was writing, most of the heresies were that very thing. That first of all, that Jesus was not the Messiah. And even if he was from God, that, that he didn't come in flesh, that he was a spirit or an apparition. He wasn't, man, he wasn't God incarnate and he didn't pay the price for our sins, that he's an idea, that he's a spiritual notion, that that my life doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter whether I'm like super disciplined spiritually or whether I'm, you know, I just pursue my own pleasure all the time. It doesn't really matter. Um, Jesus was just an idea. And so here's what he says. He says, Jesus is the central issue to knowing whether something is true or not. Okay, so here it says, every spirit that acknowledges or every teaching that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Okay? I told you you got to roll up your sleeves today. So we're talking, about, we're talking about these false teachings and we're talking about Antichrist. We're going to go back into chapter 2 and we're going to hear the same. When you hear the word Antichrist, most of us get pretty apocalyptic and we're thinking about movies and we're thinking about crazy you know, stuff. And so here's what, here's, I want to bring us back to what God is saying here through John. He's saying not everything is true. And it's not just casually not true, that there are lies, that there are spiritual teachings that are not true. And he says, I want you to believe what is true about Jesus. Jesus said to his disciples, who do you say that I am? There's lots of different views. Not all of them are true. And, and what John says is the central issue is what you believe about Christ. Is he the Messiah? So specifically, that Jesus is the incarnate God, that he is God come down to earth in time and space as a man. John uses the word revelation. He says that he is the word. He is the revelation to us of who God is. And he paid the price for our sin, and that anyone who believes can have their sin forgiven. 
And he said, the central issue in testing all spirits, in testing all teachings, is what do you believe about Jesus? You want to have a a conversation with people about what they believe, and you drop that question onto the coffee table. What do we believe about Jesus? It gets very clear very soon. Because we can all talk about God, we can all talk about goodisms, right? You do it all the time, right? You talk with people and, and you ask specifically, what about Jesus? Who do you believe Jesus is? And everybody shoots in 10 different directions, right? And so here's what he says. Test the spirits, okay? So let's go back to chapter two. So the first thing is he encourages to test. Don't just believe anything, all right? We're in chapter two. We're going to verse 18, chapter two. So the first thing is test all the spirits. Uh, second thing, Uh, Dear children, this is verse 18 of chapter 2. Dear children, this is the last hour. Okay, this is the last hour. Let's just stop right there. John believes that this is the last hour. Now that was almost 2,000 years ago. Okay, this was written about 50 years after Christ died. Already you have all these false teachings about who Christ is. Within 50 years, literally people who are still alive who were at the crucifixion. People are still alive who believed in him, who were followers. People are still alive who were healed by him, no doubt. And, and there are already tons of different stories about who he might have been. And he says this, it is the last hour. Now, obviously, John didn't think that it was the last hour, right? Or he wouldn't have written this letter and sent it off on days and days, right? Not an actual hour. And it's not just an actual day. You see what what he says, and he's going to prove it, is he says, this is the last season of time, okay? This is the last time. We have been looking forward to the Messiah for thousands of years, and now the Messiah has come. And you've heard the word Advent, right? Some of you grew up in churches and you had Advent. Advent, we celebrate Advent around this time of year because we signify the first coming of Christ, the first Advent of Christ, right? And here's another ear on Mr. Potato Head that you might not be too keen on. Jesus said, I am coming again. The same way I left, I am coming again. Okay? So some of you who, who maybe casually believe, well, I'm, I'm a Christian, right? But you hear that, What Jesus said is that he was God and he was going to live at the right hand of God and that he's going to return in flesh on the clouds, the scriptures say, the same way he went out. And some of you are like, man, those are weird shaped ears. I don't don't know if I want to put that Mr. Potato Head in my house. And you see, you and I tend to want to reshape him to make him more palatable. And Jesus says, there's truth and there's false. Who do you say that I am? And one day soon, Jesus is coming again. And he says, for all who believe in me, they will have eternal life. He said, actually, I go to make a home for you. I go to prepare a place for you. And I'm coming again. And so as you think about your index card and you think about the rock you stand on and what you believe, man, who do you say that I am? Jesus says. 
All right, it's the last hour. We're going to keep going. 2.18, here's what he says. It is the last hour, and you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Okay, even now, many Antichrists have come. Okay, this is how we know it's the last hour. Keep tracking with me here. This is how we know it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us, okay? Um, So a couple things. First of all, uh, Antichrist. Uh, Again, a lot of us have been raised with the notion, and so we hear Antichrist plural, and that kind of freaks us out because... Because we've heard that there's an Antichrist and he plays a part in the end of times and, and maybe there's always been one and there's some people who try to figure out, literally, they try to figure out, well, who would be the Antichrist if things kind of started falling apart and it was the end of times now? And, and, and that's not what John is talking about, right? And so, so John says there have been many Antichrists and literally he says, this is how we know it's the last season of time. Okay, so track with me. How many people in history before Christ and since Christ have claimed to be the one? I am God. I am, I am it. Creation centers on me, right? How many people have claimed that? Hundreds, if not thousands, right? Do you know any of their names? No, you don't. You, I, maybe you're weird and you know a couple of them. I don't know. Um, or you had a bad experience. I don't know. But you don't know any of them right? And, and so he says, this is how we know it's the last time because Christ has come and there are many who have been in us and now they've gone out. And so everyone, uh, so again, drop that question into your coffee table conversation. Who is Jesus? Everybody knows who you're talking about and everybody's either angry that you asked the question and you ruined the coffee, right? Or, or they have very heated opinions about it don't they? And he says, this is how we know that it's the last hour because the Antichrists have come and there will always be opposition to Christ. Always. Because he is the Christ, right? This is how we know it's the last hour because there's so much uproar about it not being true. Okay? And so here's what he says. Um, Keep going. He says, they went out from us Uh, But they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. Um, But their going out showed that none of them belonged to us. So literally, what do you know about what he's talking about with Antichrist? Antichrist used to be part of the church, right? And they came in and they, they tried it on for a while. They said they believed it for a while. He said, but they really weren't part of us because they went out. Um, And to some extent, really what you see here is that he's talking about people who specifically are going out and teaching against, teaching against Christ. So they're anti-Messiah. When you hear the word antichrist, just change it to anti-Messiah. In fact, there are people who started to teach that Jesus was good. He just wasn't the Messiah. That, That Jesus... He was a great idea, but he wasn't really in flesh. He wasn't really God. He wasn't really the Messiah. He was, he was a spiritual idea, just like there's lots of good spiritual ideas. And, and so what he says is there are people who, who come and try it on, and they go out. And they're like, nope, he's not the one. He's not the Messiah. 
and they do their bit to make sure everybody around them knows that he's not the Messiah. Some of them very formally and some of them very aggressively and others are simply anti-Messiahs. They do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Okay? And, and so here's what he says. Let's keep going. Chapter 2. So they're going out, showed that none of them actually belong to us. Uh, but you, okay? You, on the other hand, and he's talking to those who are believers. He says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. Okay? Do they know the truth because they're so great? No. They don't know the truth because they're so great. They know the truth because God's given it to them. Okay? They received it as a gift of love. And so all of you know the truth. And I don't write you because you do not know the truth. This is verse 21. I do not write you because you don't know the truth. Okay? Some of you, even on a Sunday morning, you're like, well, I already know this. Right? I've already heard this kind of stuff. He said, I'm not writing you because you don't know it. He said, I'm actually writing you because you do know it. Okay? But I... But I do write you because you do know the truth and because no lie comes from the truth. Okay? The reason that he writes over and over is because there's false teaching all around. And he wants to encourage those who believe to know what rock they stand on. That Jesus is the Messiah. Almost like on your card as you write, this is what I believe about Christ. Man, the more you and I really say, God, who do you say you are? Jesus, who did you say you were? I want to believe that. I want to make that the rock of my life. All right? And that's exactly where he goes. That's exactly what he says. Um, he says literally that there are some who tried it, but they went out. Um, actually, it's the same verse in 2.19. It's also in 4.1. Uh, this whole idea of going out, of being part, and then going out. He says this. He says, um, do not believe every spirit. Test the spirits to see whether they're from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Okay? They started here and they've gone out into the world. And they teach against the messiahship or the the fact that Jesus is the Christ. They teach against it. And they live against it. Alright? It's actually the same word if you go to um, uh, John 13.30 and here's what uh, John uh, was saying. He was talking about the Last Supper and Christ is, is eating, and he says, one of you is going to deny me. And it ends up being Judas, and it says, as soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out from them, and it was night. So that whole idea that, that the Antichrists are people who come, and they try it on, and they walk away, and they say, there's no way. It's not real. It's not the Christ. In my experience, uh, a lot of people who come and try it out, they say, man, I don't think he's the Christ. It didn't work for me. I tried it. I went through the, went through the routine and I actually read the Bible and I, did, I just, I don't, think he's, I don't think he's the one. And you go in a little further and, and you find out that like Judas, that there were expectations they had for him as Messiah that didn't fit the Mr. Potato Head they had in their mind. Judas, you know what he wanted? He wanted political change now from Jesus. And Jesus said, this isn't my kingdom. My kingdom is spiritual. And Judas wanted it now. And he wanted to rule over the Romans now. And he was out. 
Some other people are like, I, if he was really Messiah, there's no way my marriage would have fallen apart. No way we'd be broke right now and I'd lost my job and we'd lose our house. And if he's really Messiah, the guy on the cross said to Jesus, they're like, if you're really Messiah, do something useful and get us off these crosses and save our lives. And there's some who, who try it on and walk away and ah, I don't believe it. So where does that leave us? Here's what, here's what John says to the church. He says, I don't write you because you don't know this, but because you do, and no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? Okay, it's such a man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is an antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Let me read that last bit again. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. No one who denies the Son has the Father. You and I know dozens of people who, at the end of life, if there is a God, they're hoping to be okay with him. Dozens. We even know people who are irreligious who have that hope. We know people who are very religious and have that hope. And what, what John is saying and what Jesus is saying through John is that if you don't have the Son, you don't have the Father. And so my friend that uh, said, well, I don't have a problem with Jesus being God. I just, have a problem with, I just have a problem with him being the only God and for him to say, I am the way and the truth and the life. And what Jesus says about himself, the, the who do you say I am, who do you say Jesus is, Jesus would say, if you don't have the son, you don't have the father. That I am the way, the truth, and the life. Many people believe in God and they do not have him because they do not have the son. And that's the, that's for us as believers. Man, guys, what are we doing? People need to know the joy of knowing Christ and following him. You and I, we let people go on with vague notions of Hey, I'm pretty good and man, I I hope there's a good God and and you and I let conversation and conversation and year and year and life and life go by and and so John says, I'm not writing you because you don't know this stuff, but because there's no lie in what's true. See to it that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. And this word remain, he uses it a bunch of times. Uh, and literally says, if it does, if it does remain, it will remain in the Son and the Father. This is what he promised to us, even eternal life. Okay, and what, what he says is remain on that rock. Remain on that truth that Jesus is the Messiah. Remain, stay, keep believing is what he says. He encourages them, what you believe and what you've heard from the beginning Cement it in your heart and believe it as true. 
when everything starts to shake and life starts to fall apart, have it as the truth in your life. Have it as the rock that you stand on. Down further, here's what he says uh, in verse 27. But as his anointing teaches you about all things um, and that his anointing is real, not counterfeit, um, just, as it taught, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Let me read that again. As for you, this is verse 27, the anointing that you received from him remains in you. And the anointing is, we haven't talked about that today, the anointing is having the Holy Spirit. When you become a believer, you have the Holy Spirit in your life. He says this, that anointing, he says, do as his anointing teaches you about all the things in life and that that anointing is real, not counterfeit. Just as, as it has taught you, remain in him. So for us as a church, um, what do we do with this? He says, remain, okay? Uh, in First Peter 5, it says this, don't be an idiot. It doesn't say that exactly. It says, don't be dumb. Don't walk around like you're drunk. It says literally, be sober about life. He says, your enemy, the deceiver, the one whose name is liar, his goal is to deceive you. He roams around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. His de- desire is to devour you. There are, not, there are not multiple, multiple different directions of truth. Jesus is the truth. And he says that the liar seeks to deceive you. He says, don't be dumb about that. Literally, be sober. Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And what Peter says is, what John says is remain. Be steadfast. Stand firm on the truth that you know. We're going to, we're actually going to declare that. And you, as we close here today, you, you've written on there what you believe about him. Um, the band is going to come on up and uh, my, my desire for you is not that you would just, just hear these things, but if you believe them, that you would say, I'm going to freshly stand in what I know is true, what God, who God says he is, who Christ says he is. I'm going to freshly stand in that. And if you're here and you're asking that question, man, I am so grateful that you're here asking. And I, it's hard to say things so plainly. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to say things that the scriptures say so plainly because you always risk, you always run the risk of you not hearing the love of God. Because our version of love very often is, Whatever I do, love me no matter what. And God loves us beyond our sin. And he died for us for our sin. That anyone who would literally unwrap that present, that would say, God, I want your forgiveness. That anyone who would believe in him, that he's the forgiver, the savior, the one who paid the price for my sin, can be forgiven. You and I all too often want to stand on Jesus's that we've made in our own image like a Mr. Potato Head with just the right configuration to make us happy. And Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, 
I am the life. So I want to encourage you to, uh, would you stand with me? We're going to close. Um, the song we're going to sing again, and I invite, you to, I invite you to take your card literally and to say, on this rock, I am going to stand. Call me Rocky, call me whatever. On this rock, I'm going to stand. This, this is Christ the King. Hail the word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. I'm going to pray and would you sing with me? God, as we come to you today, it's my prayer that, that we would stand on this truth. That you are the word made flesh. That you are God. Come to life as a man. Died for my sin. Rose from the dead and conquered death. God, that I might have eternal life and forgiveness that I don't deserve. God, would you, would you draw us to you today? That's my prayer, that we might know you, the Son, and we might have the Father as well.